Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. I'm sorry, y'all. I cuss when I pray. I'll talk to God about it when I get there and let y'all know when y'all see me up there what he said. And I'll try to be as calm today as I possibly can. Welcome, friends, to Country Heat Weekly, the destination for country music fans. I'm Amber Anderson, and we are so happy you're joining us. And a big shout out to all of our new friends that we met at CMA Fest. That's right. So many of you were there at our live taping for our podcast. So thank you to all of you. And we hope that you make us like a weekly date. Let's do this. Every week, hang out with us. I'm Kelly Sutton, and we are bringing you one of those tapings that we got to do live at CMA Fest, Jelly Roll. I mean, where do we even start (laughs) with how amazing this conversation was? I think we have to start with the crowd. It was wild. Wild. (laughs) We've had six (laughs) of these live tapings now so far, including the ones that we got to do last year. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I think that this crowd for Jelly Roll was by far the biggest and absolutely by far the rowdiest crowd that we've ever had. It was so much fun. It was so fun. People were shouting things out randomly remember one guy hollered out that he wanted to be jelly's barber (laughs) (laughs) that was wild (laughs) so if you were there get ready to relive all of the fun if you weren't there um well buckle up because it is going to be a crazy fun and wild ride but also very sweet because jelly really had us almost in tears several times he shared several amazing stories about his very colorful life and some of the stories that are shared on the new album wits at chapel before we get to that though We have lots more to talk about on this special CMA Fest recap edition of Country Heat Weekly. Mm -hmm. If you can't tell, the voice is a little, it's a little rough. (laughs) Totally expected. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. Special events, big news, and surprise performances. There was so much tea spilled on the Country Heat microphones last week. I'm glad that they were waterproof. (laughs) Right? A lot of tea got spilled. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We told you guys on the last episode how Cody Johnson shared that he would be bringing out a special guest during his performance at Nissan Stadium. We were all kind of speculating about Mm -hmm. who we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, We were all wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> because none of us guessed that it was going to be Reba. None of us guessed that. And even if we would have guessed Reba, we would have probably never, ever imagined that they would perform her 1986 chart topper, Whoever's in New England. We both have a mutual friend through Red Steagall. My wife and I are taking a little mini vacation with Trent Willman and his wife and Red and Gail and, and uh, Rex and Reba are going to be there. So it just kind of like... Once you start running in that circle, it was just brought up. Hey, what if Reba sang with you? And I guess she's just such a classy person. She's like, well, I can show up and sing. And and uh, I thought, dear rodeo. And she's like, what if we do New England? And I'm going, well, there's that's the big pro move right there. Because everybody expects dear rodeo. But I feel like whoever's in New England is through with you is probably one of the greatest country music songs ever. Like, I've always loved that song. I love the lyrical content. And I love how great her voice is on it. I mean, and it's still great. And uh, she kept telling me today, thank you for allowing me to do this. And I'm like, really? I do love how he just like casually mentions that he's going to be vacationing with Reba this summer. What is your life, Cody Johnson? Right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there were some other really cool collaborations at Nissan Stadium as they celebrated the 50th anniversary of CMA Fest. Another big one was Lainey Wilson, L. King, and Tanya Tucker all together performing Tanya's 1979 hit Texas when I die. We caught up with Elle right before she popped into Lainey's set. I'm nervous and excited and she might be maybe the most wild person I've ever met and I'm obsessed. You know, talk about living up to a legend, right? Like, she's incredible. I really wish that we had video of Elle King and Dirks Bentley together in the press room. They were there at the same time and they were squabbling like an old married couple during the interviews. It was so great. Dirks was in our booth while Elle was next door with ABC, and the whole room was in stitches. Hey, y'all, this is Dirks Bentley, and shut up. (laughs) Hey, y'all, this is Dirks Bentley. Oh, shit. Thanks a lot. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Elle. Did you just shush her? Hey, King, on ABC... Screw <laughs> <laughs> Those two. <laughs> Never a dull moment. And they're back mm-hmm. for the second year hosting CMA Fest, the music event of the summer, the three-hour television special showcasing the festival. Yeah, and Lainey Wilson has been added to the hosting mix this year, which means, just like at home, Dirks is outnumbered by the women. Now, it's time. I think I need to bring a guy in to kind of help level it out a little bit. I got L. I got Laney. It's tough. They're they're teaming up on me a little bit, and L and I have a lot of history. That's why they, they brought in Laney Wilson because you know she and I can battling pretty hard. <laughs> Laney is a professional. I mean, she's a an actress. You know now she's not just a country singer. She's a TV star. So I think either they're trying to up the. They're trying to keep L and I from you know beating each other up, or they're trying to. Bring in the pros now. So I don't know how much longer I have, I have in this gig, but I'll take I'll take one more year if that's all it is. The special will air on July 19th on ABC, and it sounds like Elle is glad for what Lainey brings to the mix. Professionalism, talent. Uh, Lainey brings to the mix um, good. <laughs> so, somebody to carry the show. Someone has to do it, and it's going to be her and those bell bottoms. So in addition to all of the nightly concerts and CMA Fest events, there are all these other things that were happening around town that were kind of CMA adjacent. So you had pop-up shows and charity events and fan club parties that were happening. I have to believe by now you're a member of Jordan Davis's fan club, The Parish. 
right? I heard it was a really fun party. I am a card-carrying member. Yes, I am. Yes. (laughs) I was hoping so. (laughs) Well, we were interviewing Tanya Tucker at the same time as the party. So otherwise, you know I would have been there. Oh, it was awesome. That was the first time we've ever done a fan club party. Um, That's the the day one fans. uh, The parish has been really, really awesome to me. And, uh, you know, those are always the fans that you can kind of see grow with you. You know, some of those fans that I saw today have been been with me when I was playing shows for 400 people in a middle-of-nowhere bar in Iowa or wherever. One event I am so bummed that we did not make it out to, I didn't go last year and I didn't get a chance to go this year, was Carly Pierce's fundraiser for the ASPCA. It's basically a consignment sale called Carly's Closet. Oh my gosh, we had so much fun. I um, started this event last year because I just wanted to do something unique for fans that was kind of tailored to me. And um, I wear a lot of things throughout the year that I don't ever wear again. So it's kind of a chance for fans to raid my closet, if you will, um, for a good cause. We teamed up with the ASPCA. I can never say it right. Um, And yeah, we raised a bunch of money. So it's great. Well, you know, I love to shop. Same. (laughs) (laughs) One of the few things we have in common. (laughs) The really great thing about this event is that each item for sale came with a photo of Carly using or wearing the item, which is really cool. That's very cool. And she was there for a meet and greet. It looked like a blast. And I heard this stuff went really, really fast. Okay, one more event that we have to tell everyone about. Old Dominion's Memory Lane pop-up that happened at one of the venues downtown. So many events. I love our job. But part of me wishes we had a little more time to explore some of these events around right. town. Now, the guys called this the Memory Lane Experience, but it celebrated so much more than just the one song. It was actually kind of a experience of a lot of our albums and um, fans showed up. They were lined up at like 5 a.m. to mm, get that's in. That's crazy. Um, so we just kind of hosted them all there and they, they could take pictures on, you know, on the couch that we had on our third album. And we came out there and just played some of the new music that's going to be on the EP that's coming out. And um, some of our old music took requests. It was a really fun hang with our fans. And we also got some additional scoop on the whole Memory Lane sampler EP situation. Yes, there will be a larger, there will be a main course coming soon. So those guys performed the night that we hosted Nissan Stadium and we were out in the crowd singing along with all the fans and then running backstage to high five them when they came off. Yes. And Matt was moving around really well. Yes. Really, really happy that he's on the mend. Really glad. Love those guys. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have Jelly Roll in the center stage spotlight live from CMA Fest. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, Nashville. Are you ready to welcome your hometown boy back to the stage? He is our guest this week on Country Heat Weekly. Third generation Nashvillian. He didn't make it past the ninth grade because he was in and out of juvenile detention facilities, which he has been very vocal about and talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. His story is one of hope, of pulling yourself up out of all of the stuff around you and being determined to make something better, not just for yourself, but for those around you. And last December, the building just right across from us over here, Bridgestone Arena, he sold it out. Yeah, he did. His hometown arena show. Then he donated all of the proceeds to help troubled youth in the same system that he was in years ago. How cool is that? Yep. And then <laughs> in April, in that very same building, he won three CMT Music Awards. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, in January, his debut single, Son of a Sinner, hit number one at Country Radio. The follow-up, which we are all playing right now, Need a Favor, is currently streaming on our Country Heat playlist. CMA Fest. Put your hands together and welcome Jelly Roll! This is awesome. I didn't expect there to be so many people. What's up, CMA fans? Wow. What an incredible intro for you. Look at all these people out here to see you. It is unreal, man. Now, have you, tell me your prior experience with CMA Fest. Did you come when you were younger as a fan? Some of y'all are going to know what I'm saying right now, and some won't. But I called it fanfare. There it is. And we came here for fanfare my entire childhood. I've been to probably every, there's videos of me on the internet, drunk, standing behind news people just out here being a fan. <laughs> I'm not making this up, you can Google it. Look up Jelly Roll, like you know how you bomb the news, like get behind the news reporter? <laughs> I'm just out here day drinking like six years ago and I'm behind a news reporter, it was awesome. It was probably Kelly. <laughs> now I'm that guy. I was there with a bucket hat, two beers in my hand, I was having a blast down here, dude, it was awesome. <laughs> I was sunburned, my feet were sore. It was typical fanfare. There it is. That's what we sign up for. Do you remember seeing anyone specific? You know, I have so many incredible memories from fanfare. I wouldn't know where to start. I got to see um, Zach Brown the first time I ever seen them live was at the stadium for fanfare one year, right after colder weather had exploded. And it was just such an unreal moment. Uh, I remember the first time that Chris Young played Nissan Stadium. I was there. It was a big deal because Chris Young is from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, right, just right. right up the street. That's right. So that was a big deal for me to see another guy from the 615. And I was just a fan. I didn't even know Chris. I just went just excited to see one of ours get to do it, you know. I grew up in Antioch, Tennessee. And for those of y'all that don't know, it's about 20 15 miles away from here going south. And while you're in town, you should not stop by. You're not missing anything. I love that place, but everything you want to see is down here. <laughs> Don't slow down. Just keep on rolling. What was elementary school Jason like? Oh, dude, I was, I was fat and cute. Could you imagine, dude? I was just, just fluffy and handsome. I was nice. I, uh, no, elementary school was cool. I wasn't a great student. I don't know if you could believe that or not, but I just didn't do too good at school, but I, I enjoyed school, 
And uh, I'll tell you what happened to me in middle school was the first time I ever heard somebody beat on a lunch table and they were rapping. And I remember walking by and going, oh, that's where all the cool kids are. I need to get in that circle. So I stood up and I tried to rap and I embarrassed myself. (laughs) But I came back the next day and I tried again and I eventually figured it out. We watched the documentary. Have you guys seen the documentary? Everything looked very typical. I mean, two-story house, mom was there, and then things started to go awry. You were very open about the struggles in and out of the detention facility and then prison. What point was it? Was it the birth of your daughter that really things changed, or was there another point when you were hitting your low going, I don't want to be this anymore? No, I was definitely having my daughter. Um... 15 years ago, just about a month ago, she was born and I was incarcerated when she was born. And that was, that was the moment for me where I was like, man, it's, it's one thing to be a less than desirable human, but it's another thing to be a less than desirable human responsible for another human. And I knew that if I wanted to be a good father, it started with being a good person and I had to make some changes. And uh, I came home determined to figure it out for her and for myself. And I started selling mixtapes out of my trunk right here on DeMumbrian Street, a little bar called The Tin Roof that you should definitely stop by while you're in town. And, uh, and uh, the rest is kind of history. I spent you know 15 years chasing the dream and now I'm sitting here at CMA Fest, my first fanfare. I'm hanging out with y'all and my Amazon Music family on Country He Weekly, baby, this is a big deal. <laughs> I want to take you everywhere. He's our new hype man. He is our hype man. Everywhere we go. Okay, so you talked about middle school. You know, they're beaten on the lunch table. Is, is that where your love of music started? Was there music playing in your house growing up? Where did you first discover that you were like, music is going to be a part of, of my life? Well, thanks for asking me. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit because I'm stoned. But... <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Sorry, y'all. Just for what it's worth, I don't take pain pills no more, so I'm on the upside of this thing for sure. I think we call that California sober. We call that California sober, yeah, baby. That's what I thought. That's what I thought we called it. <laughs> um, it actually started in my household. So I talk in the story, and the documentary is really. I'm not. I don't get paid if you watch it. I just think it's a really good documentary. I'm obviously biased. Right, I obviously think it's great because it's about me, but it tells the story more in depth. My mother had struggled with mental health stuff and with drug addiction, and something about when she would come out of her room, she didn't leave her room much, she was very reclusive in her mental health, but when she would come downstairs, the first thing she would do was put on a record or play a song or turn some music on or turn on an old radio, and... um, the whole house would change, man. I mean, I'd describe it. I would watch this house turn into a nightclub. Neighbors would start coming from across the street. And she would start telling stories of songs before she played them like she was a DJ. And back then, we didn't have Google, so you just had to believe her. So you know what I mean? So it's like, I know, so I'm listening to these stories about, she'd play Garth Brooks' The Beaches of Cheyenne, and she'd tell the story, and then play the song, and everybody would listen. You know, it's back before phones and stuff, and you actually were there. And and I just knew that music helped her and that music could help people. And that's whenever I wanted to get involved. Mm, that is so true. Mm-hmm. We're watching that happen right now through you, which is just 
Incredible. At what point did country come into the picture? Well, I've always wanted to do country. I've always loved country music. You know, growing up in Nashville, especially in the 90s, we took pride and ownership in country music because being from here, it made up a lot of the economy in this town. And for us, we took pride in country music because you would see them at the local bars. And my mother would come home and play these country because she was a bartender. So she would play like, she would like would tell these stories. She had a picture of Ken, her and Kenny Rogers at a bar and Kenny Rogers had wrote, this is so Kenny Rogers. I've never told this story. This is so Kenny Rogers. He wrote, thanks for a wonderful night with a winky face. <laughs> I swear, I swear. And she said it was a joke, but I don't believe her. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. Did she have that at the house? Yeah, she had it at the house my whole childhood. My daddy and her met at a bar that she was tending at. So I used to hear all these old bar stories, and that's where she'd play this music from. So Waylon Jennings' Ain't Living Long Like This was one of the first songs I ever heard in my whole life. It started with, looking for trouble and I found a son, right on a barrel of a lawman gun. <laughs> and I said, this is country music? Yeah. This is awesome. That was so good. So good. Okay, so you decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do country music. Were you met with resistance? When I first actually came into country, um, I, I, met with, I was met with resistance by some of the labels in town. Some of y'all don't know me, but I dropped a song in the middle of the pandemic, and I was like, I put out a video for a song called Save Me. Thank y'all. And this song changed my entire life, and every record label on earth called me. I mean... I'm going to LA and meeting with people in New York and, and they're going, hey, we could put you with this guy named Charlie Puth. He had a bunch of big singles and I know Charlie, I think he's great. And I was like, yeah, but I kind of want to do something with Tim McGraw, you know? And they were like, yeah, we, we're not in that business, but we can get you and they would name all these pop stars. So I said, well, maybe I should just go meet the Nashville labels. And I would go meet with the Nashville labels, y'all. And I'd say, man, I want to do country music. I got a heart. And they would say, yeah, that's awesome. But you know, we got a label in LA that's our sister company that would probably hook you up with Charlie Puth or somebody. And y'all could do a song. I was like, I want to play the Grand Ole Opry. And, um, and then I met John Loba and Adrian Mike, Michael Meatballs and Joe Jamie from a record label called Broken Bow Records, the home of Jason Aldean, Lainey Wilson. Parmalee, Blanco Brown, plenty more. And I sat down with him and he, he didn't hesitate. He was like, what do you want? And I was like, I'd like to be mentioned in my local newspaper because I grew up here and it would just mean a lot to me. That's how, that's how small my dream was. I was like, <laughs> just like a page seven on the local thing would be great. And maybe like the Grand Ole Opry. And he was like, done. And uh, the publicist for the record label stepped out in the hallway and came back in and said, hey, I just talked to somebody from the Tennessee and we'll get that piece done whenever right then and I said oh I should have asked for more <laughs> I was like and I want 50 million dollars now well here's a, here's a great follow-up question to that because everybody that has made it in this town has a champion and has had somebody that has opened doors for them and helped them how much did it mean to you to know that these people believed in you and believed in your music enough to be like, yes, and we're gonna let you do it your way. You know, it was, un especially when me and Loba got into the nitty gritty of the deal, and I was like, Loba, I love you, but I, I wanna act as an independent in the aspect of, I just wanna turn music in. Let me have my artistic freedom, and Loba was like, 
We signed you because of what you do. You just let us do what we do. And he immediately started championing for me. And I, I would be remiss if you bring up champions in the music business. And I didn't plug Amazon Prime, uh, Miss Emily, from day one, this company has been behind me. They've stood behind me. We didn't hesitate to come do this with y'all. We love you. You can say, hey, Alexa, play country music, and I'll be in one of the top 10 songs every time. I love this thing. <laughs> It is incredible. This is, it goes back to just, I said it before, but my daddy taught me when I was young, you can outwork everybody. You can be smarter than everybody, work harder than everybody, have more talent than everybody. But son, you still need just a little bit of luck in your pocket. You just need a little bit of old fashioned rabbit foot is what they'd say where I'm from. And I believe that Loba was one of them rabbit foot moments. I want to know from you, this whole ride you've been on, I would say like the last year. The last six weeks. Uh, right. <laughs> what has been the thing that has just blown your mind the most? Like, is there one moment that you can think back to in the last six months to a year that you're like, I just cannot believe that this is my life right now? CMT night, winning three awards on national television in front of God and the whole country. It was unreal. Um, clean sweep. The performance was great. It's one of the few performances I couldn't even critique. And there's a moment in the documentary, the most touching moment though is in the documentary there's a scene where a young woman comes backstage at the Grand Ole Opry and shares her story with me and I can't even tell the story because I will cry but that moment will stick with me the rest of my life it is the power of music on display that moment will stick with me on my deathbed I was there that night and this is true jelly roll fashion he comes off stage and he looks right, you looked right at your manager and you said, there is a lady, she is in the second row. I think she has lost somebody and I need to talk to her. Go get her and bring her backstage. That's the kind of artist that we have in Jelly Roll, y'all. No crying, no crying. I know. We're not crying. But I got to witness <laughs> that firsthand and that's how much you care about your fans. As much as y'all love him, he loves you just as much, and I got to see that firsthand. I love y'all, baby. Thank you. You've told me this before, and I, I want to make sure everyone understands this. You just started singing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, when at the beginning of your career, you were rapping, you were talking. When was it that you sang? What was the first song that you actually found your voice? It just is so befuddling to me that you have not been singing like this for years. Well, it starts by, I didn't think I could sing because you know how we had music in our household. I told the story earlier. We would all sing together and we sound like a bunch of alley cats. I mean, it was horrible. So I just assumed I was just a part of the bad frequency that was coming out of the rest of us. <laughs> I think that uh, I, was, I do karaoke. I've always done karaoke and I was never good at it. But one night I sung a Bob Seger rock, old time rock and roll and a producer came to me and said, dude, you can sing. I was like, no, I'm a rapper. I'd love to sing, but I can't. God just didn't give me that gift. He said, God gave you way bigger of a gift for singing than he did rapping. And I was offended. <laughs> <laughs> but he was right. <laughs> you know, but it was just so, it was so different. I didn't understand. I still don't understand music and I'm learning it every day. I'm learning the guitar, but I just, just, just sing from the soul, man. Bob Seger once said, search for songs that you can sing with conviction. And to me, it's just singing from the soul, man. Real music for real people with real problems. 
Oh, you do that so well. He does. You have a gift. Okay, so Wits at Chapel, it's out, y'all. If you haven't heard it, go get it, stream it, listen to it. It is a beautiful album, well done. And tell everybody the meaning of Wits at Chapel, if they're not familiar, and the picture that's on the cover of the beautiful vinyl that you have as well. So the actual cover of the album is the actual church I went to when I was 14 years old, Whitsett Chapel Baptist Church. And um, my daughter uh, just turned 15. So last year when she was 14, she had found this little church on this little country back road where we live off of. And it's about a 100-person church. 20 of them are kids from her school that all go with their family. And she's in high school. And she kept asking me to come, but my bus call would always be late. So one day I said, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm going to go check out this little church. And I'm sorry, this is, this is a little bit of a story, but I love to tell it. And I walked in, and dude, it was country as coleslaw. I mean, dude, it was back roads. You know, there were people in there wearing baseball. I felt so at home. And I remembered my little church when I was 14 that I got baptized in. And when she gets in the car that day, I'm like, you won't believe this, dude. I never told you, but I went to a little church when I was your age. I got baptized when I was 14. It's this little church called Witsit Chapel. It's just four walls and a door. You open the door, it goes straight from the pews to the pit. There's not a closet in the building, you know? And I'm telling her this story, and I started thinking about my childhood and my journey of faith and how somewhere between 14 and 25, I lost my way. And somewhere between 25 and now almost 40, I found my way back. And I had wrote 70 songs for my album. We had already picked out singles, me and uh, my record label and the radio team. And I called Loba, and this is how I knew I signed to the right person again and again. I said, Loba, I want to tell you I'm not going to release any of those songs. I'm going to start recording a new album today, and I'm going to do it after my childhood church. And I took the time to write an album from song one to song 13 that tells the spiritual journey that boys went on. And the revolu- it's just a story of love, redemption, it's growth and gratitude in real time. It's painful. It's real. It's authentic. And by God, it's country. Woo! And it's good. <laughs> it's real, real good. <laughs> well, you have a lot of really incredible co-writers mm. on this album. Was there anybody that you were super intimidated to go into the writing room with? Everybody. Everybody. I was a fish out of water. You know, um, part of my struggles that I'm open with about mental health is self-worth. And I'm learning to find that in myself as I get older because I felt worthless for so long and hopeless for so long that you get in these rooms and you always kind of feel like, you know, I don't know anything about music, right? You'll hear it in my story, dude. When I first got into music, they said I was too fat. Literally, they said I was too fat for anybody to ever care what I had to say. People in the music business told me that. They said, frankly, you just got to lose 100 pounds, man. People don't listen to fat people. It never works. Literally told me that. They told me my voice wasn't strong enough or I didn't sing low enough or I didn't sing high. I heard all these different things. So you walk in, I don't know the difference between a G and a C on a guitar. I know how to play just from years of picking one up and you know messing around. But I got in these rooms and everybody immediately was so excited to be open in the writing process. They were like, yo, we don't want to write that shit we write. We want to write that shit you write. And I was like, it just made me feel so good walking into the rooms. And I had so many people in this town that showed up for me on short notice to help me write this concept album. 
Miranda Lambert came out and wrote with me on this album, y'all. Ashley McBride came out and wrote with me on this album, y'all. It was, it was unreal. I mean, the list could go on and on. Brantley Gilbert. I mean, it's awesome, y'all. It's, it, was, it was the coolest thing ever. Backroad Baptism Tour. 44 cities that you're hitting up. Which means if you live in America, I'm coming close enough to drive. There's no reason not to come see me. <laughs> so how much of the new album is in the set list? Oh, yeah, we play a bunch. Of, we have a rule. For every new song we play, we play an old song. So it's a good mixture. It's healthy. We cover some stuff you wouldn't expect us to cover. A Jelly Roll concert is a mix between a country show, a rock show, a little bit of a rap show, and a whole lot of a back road tent revival. Ooh, I like that. Sign me up <laughs> twice. I'm ready. You have so many fans, so many people that are out here, and some of your biggest fans are the people that are at our Metro detention facility. You, Jelly Roll, sold out Bridgestone Arena, your hometown arena. You then donated $400,000 to the juvenile detention facility. Let's digest the fact that Jelly, who was in the detention facility, can now hand over our $400,000 check. <laughs> that was pretty bold. That is a lot to digest. <laughs> And I got a quite a digestive system. <laughs> How did that feel? And what does it mean to you to go back and see these kids and now you're giving them opportunities to learn trades and have a path out? Man, I just know that if God is going to give me a megaphone, who am I not to scream in it? Mm. And That's so good. I feel like... What's going to matter more than anything are two things when this is all the said and done. The jokes are great. The story's emotional. But the only thing that really matters is the music and the philanthropy. Is Does the music help people? And are you a man of service? And do you care enough about people to give back? That's what matters. We're going to cry up here. No, stop. I'm I, looking at Kelly. I'm I like, have a don't nobody do it. cries don't alone policy, so don't do it. That means you cry, I cry. I bet somebody else out there has a nobody Listen, cries alone everybody's policy. Everybody's crying. We're all crying It's together. a rule, man. You can't, he I cried was, at the Opry. Yeah. I cried. Oh, all yeah. of us were crying. It's, just, it's a big cry. I cry a lot. I didn't cry for 35 years. Now I can't quit. It's like, <laughs> it's like I changed my life, and I'm just a big, soft, gooey gummy bear now. We love it. I will, say, I will say this. I want to say something, that a quote that I live by that made me want to give back. They said, change starts in your heart, then in your home, then in your neighborhood, then your community, then your city, then your state, your region, your country. And if you do it that way, we might actually touch the whole world. Oh, man. So good. good. Okay, tell everybody, if fans want to donate, where can they do that? Youth Impact Outreach is the organization that I partnered with here in town. You can always do it that way. But honestly, we're giving away, uh, I think, a dollar or two of every ticket from this tour. So if you come see Jelly Roll, supporting Jelly Roll, trust me, man, I'm making the money walk, baby. I got you. Uh-huh, yes, oh, making the money walk. I hadn't heard that one. Okay, so one thing that we love to do is burning questions. This is how we wrap up Ooh. our center stage guest. Uh -huh. Are you ready for this? So these are burning questions. First thing that comes to your mind, don't think about it too hard. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> Cover the kids' ears, y'all. Honesty could be against me right here. <laughs> this is where the parental advisory warning comes in. Okay. Where was your first tattoo? On my arm. Which one was the most painful? The one on my wrist and my tummy. 
But I will say I have a tattoo on my back of Jesus on a cross that hurt really bad that I didn't finish it. And because I didn't finish it, the first time my wife seen it, she thought it was Elvis. (laughs) In her defense, Elvis and Jesus are pretty close. Okay, so which country artist would you stand in line for for hours here at CMA Fest to get their autograph? Garth Brooks. Oh. There was no question about that. No question. Okay. Strangest thing you've ever autographed. Keep it clean, please. (laughs) Next question. Okay. (laughs) A a parole card. Somebody brought their parole card one time and I signed it. (laughs) Sorry, I had to think for a second. All I thought was nasty stuff immediately. Yeah, I gave you a warning. <laughs> okay, dream venue to play? Madison Square Garden. <laughs> because I've already played the Ryman and the Grand Ole Opry. They were the first two dreams. And of course, Nissan Stadium. I'm from here. Duet partner who still eludes you? Ashley. I still want to do a song with Ashley. Because we wrote one, but we haven't done one together. I am obsessed with Ashley McBride. Same. I yes, just her songwriting too. style is so different. It's so incredible. She showed up with a notebook this big. She handwrites lyrics. She writes from top to bottom, which means you never know what the f- she's gonna say. She's just like, "What if we did something?" And then she was at a trailer, and I'm like, "This is wild. We're writing a movie script. <laughs> it's so awesome." So I'd love to do a song with her. <laughs> we she's would incredible. love to hear that song. Me, by the yeah, way. for sure. Um, what is your favorite hymn? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. He's trying to make us cry at this. I don't know the name of it, but what is it? Sanctuary, prepare me. Y'all know which one I'm talking about. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. That's the one. Y'all. Make sure that you are buying tickets to go see this man on tour. Backroad Baptism Tour, 44 cities, as you mentioned. Get out there and see Jelly Roll. And all of your openers, they're all rotating. Yes. Yep. It's going to be Incredible great. people. Struggle to be there the whole time, but every, every other show. So it's a good reason to come to a couple of shows. Come see the Ashley one and the 3-6 one. You'll get two totally different experiences. <laughs> exciting. The album is Witsit Chapel. You guys can buy it. You can stream it on Amazon Music. Yeah, they don't right. get vinyl available at Walmart. Dude. That's, That's right. a big deal, man. Y'all know White Trash and Walmart go together like peanut butter and jelly. They knew where to find my kind at for sure. Well, we love you so much. They all love you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Jelly Roll! Thank you as open as Jelly was in that interview, the whole time he was sitting there, he was keeping a secret from all of us. Yeah, a big one. (laughs) He was the surprise guest that night at Nissan Stadium. And he didn't tell us. He performed in front of 50,000 screaming country music fans on the 50-yard line of his hometown football stadium. Well, we got word that it was going to happen about an hour before he went on So he tracked him down backstage and scolded him for not telling us. I thought I wasn't allowed to tell nobody. I thought it was a surprise I was supposed to have kept. Yes, but I'm so excited about it. It's just to be, dude, this is, you know, this is big. This is Nissan Stadium, man. I'm going in to play play my hometown stadium at Fanfare, dude. I've been coming to Fanfare since I was like seven. You know what I mean? 
It's just unreal, dude. I, I remember we would be excited in the strip clubs when it was Fanfare Week. We knew people were coming. More strippers came to town. I mean, like as a local kid, a lot of stuff happens around Fanfare, man. Helping the economy on all levels. <laughs> oh, Jelly. Uh, <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get with that one, you know? And that's a theme that we have going on with this podcast this month. Next week, we are bringing you a wild conversation we had with country music legend Tanya Tucker. Here's a sneak peek. And, of course, I screwed it up, so I told her, I said, I, I, we got to do that again, you know? And we did it again, and I screwed it up again. And then... When we did it the third time, Winona comes in and it's like, whoa, you know, she's loud. She is original. Something else. She is an original. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for checking out Country Heat Weekly. Make sure that you tell all of your friends to join in and listen on our country music party. We are here every week. Find and follow our podcast. It's Country Heat Weekly on Amazon Music or wherever you listen to podcasts. And special thanks to our friends at the Country Music Association for letting us partner with them at the festival. And remember that the three-hour CMA Fest television special airs on July 19th on ABC. Mark your calendar. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at listenerstudy.com. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm. Here, welcome to Harvey Graw. At these family dinners, Delicious, everyone. dysfunction is served. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? Jump, jump, jump. It's already better than I dared to dream. They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept with. Yeah, 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 right. You're a regular lady killer. I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. No! I really hoped it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. It's mom and dad being totally normal. So, dinner next Friday, everyone? Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free only on Freebie.